Good morning. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Gracious God, heaven and earth will pass away, but your words will not pass away. Your word stands forever. May our generation be attentive, so by the power of your Holy Spirit, we remember your ways and gladly do right, meeting you wherever and whenever you appear. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today's Old Testament lesson comes from Isaiah 64, 1 through 9. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen God besides you, who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry, and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider... We are all your people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware. Keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey 
when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at a cock crow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you now, I say to all, keep awake. If you haven't caught on by now, it's Advent. I have on my Advent stole. We lit the Advent candles here in the sanctuary. And hopefully, as Peter mentioned, you've received your Advent devotional. There are even Advent hymns which sometimes seem hard to sing or sometimes even hard to listen to. I guess with the coming of Advent, it seems there's always questions maybe even some confusion. Almost every year, people ask, why don't we sing Christmas carols at church right after Thanksgiving? We want to be like Belk and Target. Let's bring out those Christmas decorations right after the back-to-school sale. And especially in this crazy year of 2020, I've seen in my own neighborhood and on social media the walls of society finally breaking down and Christmas trees have gone up even right after Halloween. But if there was ever a year that we needed a little Christmas early, this is it. But back to Advent. I don't know that many of us spend enough time thinking about the real meaning of Advent, so let's dig into that a little deeper. Advent comes to us from the Latin word adventus, which means coming. It is a season of the church, the period of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of the birth of Jesus. In other words, just that period before Christmas. When we truly embrace Advent as a season, not just in the church, but in our lives, it means we mark time differently than the rest of the world. Advent is not a counting down to Christmas, but a counting forward to a time that begins with the birth of Jesus. The first Sunday of Advent is for us, the church, the first Sunday of the year, a year in sacred time, an opening of ourselves to the mystery and certainty of God's presence. My favorite theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, said about Advent, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who have troubled souls, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. Historically, Advent has served for the church as a dual reminder of the original waiting that was done by the Hebrews for the birth of their Messiah, as well as the waiting that Christians do as they wait for Christ. This is what theologians call the already, not yet. We have already seen the coming of Christ, the birth of the Christ child, but we wait for his return, for the fulfillment of the kingdom of God that has not yet fully come. That is what Advent is all about. It's about waiting. Unfortunately, human beings have never been really good at waiting. I do not know if culturally we do much waiting anymore, especially today in the season of Advent. We don't like to wait. 
Maybe the only way that we're waiting in Advent is waiting to find out if that box under the tree is really what we think is in it. So let's take a closer look at what Scripture has to say to us, and maybe we can recapture some of that waiting and watching that Jesus calls his disciples to do for Advent. In the first part of chapter 13 in Mark's gospel, we find the kind of setup and location for our scripture reading this morning. Jesus was leaving the temple with his friends, his closest disciples, and those disciples were marveling at what human beings had built, the beautiful temple in Jerusalem. Chapter 13 begins with these words, As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what a magnificent building. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Imagine what that statement meant to those disciples. The temple had been the central part of their life. Everything, I mean everything that they had done their whole life had revolved around that building. And Jesus tells them, in a blink of an eye it will be destroyed. And it really won't matter much to anyone that it's gone. So the disciples are really shocked by his words Later in the day, when things kind of quiet down and they're alone with Jesus, they finally build up enough courage to ask him about it again. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when these things will happen and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled. As usual, Jesus is pointing out to the disciples and to us that what we many times hold up and pour our energy into in this world, a temple, a house, our possessions, our bank accounts, our careers, our social status, that perfect yard decoration that will really impress our neighbors this year, all of it really doesn't matter at all in the kingdom of heaven. What matters to Jesus is how we wait. The disciples are confused. Some of them have followed Jesus in hopes of personal gain, social dominance, and even wealth. I'm sure Jesus' words were unsettling to them. And even after all these years of waiting, what Jesus describes as what we are waiting for really doesn't sound like a lot of fun. There are several passages in the Old and New Testament that describe the second coming of Christ, and most of them seem a bit unpleasant. Our text today said, but in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see that the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. And we thought 2020 was bad. But maybe that is where we need to be. Torn between that certainty of God's love and the gathering of his coming angels in the expectant waiting of Advent. Celebrating with family and friends, opening packages and singing happy songs and the reality of Christmas that signals the coming end. 
that someday, maybe sooner, maybe later, Christ will come again on a cloud to gather us up. So what are we to do? How are we to spend this in-between time, a time of looking back and celebrating the birth of Jesus, but also keeping an eye towards the future when Christ comes again? For me, I think Jesus' message is pretty clear. Keep awake. Be ready. Pay attention to how God is at work in the world. We can easily be distracted by the wonders of humankind's abilities. Magnificent temples are built by humans. Amazing technology, 50-inch flat-screen TVs with 400 channels. Fancy watches that do more than tell time. And phones that even make an elementary school student a movie director. But Jesus tells us to look away from all that. We are to watch for God's presence, to work for God's peace, and hope for God's fulfillment as we watch and we wait for Christ in this in-between time. First, we are called to be watchful for God's presence. We need to pay attention. Sometimes when I'm driving in my car on a long trip, I just kind of zone out. I listen to music or I'm deep in my thoughts and the next thing I know, I'm down the, down the interstate to the next town. Sometimes we can kind of go through life that way too, zoned out, just going through the motions, not really paying attention, just going about our daily routine. But our calling is to be awake, wide awake, to look around us and see where God is at work in our life and in our community. Every week in the e-news and in the announcements just like today, there's offers for helping with discipleship, evangelism, worship, local and international missions. Even in the days of COVID, these opportunities to serve are here and ready. If you're currently not involved in some mission or service to the church and the world, use this time to hear God's voice and get involved. If you're not sure how or why or ways to do that, please call me. I'd be glad to talk to you as I'm sure the other pastors and church leaders would be willing to do that. We would be glad to spend some personal time with you and help guide you to where God is calling you to watch and to see where God is at work. Besides watching for God's presence in our midst, we are to work. Jesus says, no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with an assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. So even as we are called to watch, we are called to work. We are not called to sit down and stare at the clock and just wait for Jesus to show up. We are also not called to fill our lives with meaningless labor. We are called to work for the fulfillment of God's kingdom. Our God is a God who works. God creates, God redeems, God saves. Our God is a working God, the one who brought God's people out of Egypt, the one who became flesh and walked among us and raised his son from the dead. We are called to work, to speak God's word to a broken and divided, divided world. And there is much work for us to do. And finally, as we watch and we work, we hope. The watching, the awareness of God's presence gives us the strength to work. 
The work leads us to hope. Hope in Christ and hope in one another. People ask me all the time why I'm so passionate about mission work and service to others. I personally have devoted much of my adult life in traveling and working for the people of Haiti. The organization I work with is called Haiti Outreach Ministries. Their ministry is to the, in the poorest neighborhoods, in the poorest city, in the poorest country, in the Western Hemisphere. Now let that soak in for a minute. I go to Haiti because of one thing I learned there. When I go there, when I talk to the people and the friends that I've made there, the people I meet tell me my presence there gives them hope. Hope that someone cares about them. Hope that there is a God and God sees their suffering and loves them. Hope that there is a future for them. For it is truly the hope that we give in Christ that sustains us. So even in those days when God's presence that leads to our hope seems distant, when the news coming to us from around the world seems nothing but bad and getting worse, when our own lives seem to be in chaos, the hope of Christ is still there. God's promise still assures us that all is not lost, that a new day is in front of us, that everything does not rest on our weary shoulders. God is the one who is in control. We have a job to do, to watch and wait for the master to return. We are called right now, this month, this time, to watch, to pay attention to the glimpses of God's presence. We will try and look past those special store discounts, the endless advertisements for Christmas specials, and that frantic pace of life that swirls around us. Even as a silent and invisible menace stalks us, we are called to watch, not just as individuals, but as the body of Christ worshiping God. We are called to work, not just idle work filling Christmas stockings and ordering a necktie for Uncle Harold, but God's work, looking for the lost, feeding the needy, helping the least of these. That is the work of Christmas. And finally, we are called to hope to throw aside our despair, our negativity, and embrace the kingdom of God. Christ calls us to a right relationship with him so that we might share the hope that Christ is to others. What Jesus wants to know about us is where is our heart? Where and with whom are we placing our hope? This Advent, during our time of expectant waiting, is the perfect time to rediscover God's calling in our lives. Don't worry about purchasing that perfect gift for that special someone. Praise be to God that you are precious in God's eyes, and God has already freely given you the perfect gift, the Christ child for whom we all wait. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.